0: Hey, welcome to Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Lord's Day number five of the Heidelberg Catechism. So if you guys haven't yet caught up, like we said last week and the week before, this builds off of itself. And so it's really helpful. And these episodes are really short, 10 or 15 minutes long. So if you guys want to catch up really quick, read the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a great summary of the faith, something to grab your hands onto to understand the doctrine of the church that we've confessed for 400 or 500 years. This is this is an old tradition and it goes back even to the church fathers and to the New Testament. So if you guys want to follow along, we have question and answers number 12 through 15. 12 and 13 are a little bit longer. And 14 and 15 are a little bit shorter. So, let's dig in. Question and answer number 12. Since, according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, how can we escape this punishment and be again restored or received into favor? Answer. God demands that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, we must make full payment, either by ourselves or through another. So Recynus' quick little exposition of this. The first way of making satisfaction for the punishment is by ourselves through the law. And he references Galatians 3.10. This is the legal way. Second way is by the satisfaction of another. This is the method of the gospel. This is the evangelical way. So we ask five questions to further deepen our understanding of his answer. He asks first, what is this deliverance of man? It consists in a perfect deliverance from all the miseries of sin and death, which the fall has put upon man. And a full restoration of righteousness, holiness, life, and eternal felicity, meaning eternal happiness, through Christ, which has begun in this life and will be perfected in the life to come. His second question, is this deliverance possible? We know much better than the first man, Adam, knew about the gospel. We knew much more and the event itself of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, as well as from our own conscience, that deliverance was not only possible, but would take place at a future time, which Adam saw, this is from Genesis 3.15, and was accomplished by Christ. His third question, is deliverance necessary and certain? Although God was not under the least obligation to deliver man from the misery of sin, but was free to leave all men in death and save none, Romans 11.35. Yet it may be correctly said that man's deliverance was and is necessary, understanding by this term, not an absolute, but a conditional necessity, as it was called. All he's saying here is, God did not have to save sinners. That was not just. And we see this all through Romans. What he did was mercy. And that is allowing, as we'll see later on in these questions and answers, allowing through his justice the obedience of one to cover the obedience of many. Question four. Is perfect deliverance possible? Now, in this life, It is perfect in all its parts, being deliverance from evil, both of guilt and punishment. Then, in the life to come, it will be perfect also in the degree of it. When all tears are wiped from our eyes, the perfect image of God is restored in us. And God shall be all in all. Then his last question on this part. How was this deliverance accomplished? First, by full and sufficient satisfaction for our sin to such an eternal extent to which it was committed. And second, by abolishing sin and renewing our nature, which is done by restoring in us the righteousness and image of God, which we have lost or by the perfect regeneration of our nature. And he's not saying we have lost the image of God. But the sense that we've lost the dominion, we have not done what the image of God represented in us. and still represents, and that also is what condemns us. We are not doing what we were supposed to do, but he will one day restore that. Question answer 13. Can we by ourselves make this payment? Answer, certainly not. On the contrary, we daily increase Our debt. We cannot make it by obedience because whatever good we perform, we owe to God by obligation in this life. Technically, there is no good because that was already required of us. That was required of Adam in the garden to do what he was told to do, and that is what he disobeyed. We continually increase our debt of sin, increasing our guilt and the displeasure of God towards us. Neither can we make satisfaction to God for our sins by punishment, because our guilt is infinite, so it deserves an infinite punishment. Therefore, we cannot make satisfaction by ourselves, and it is necessary that a satisfaction be made by another. Can we never satisfy the law, neither by punishment or obedience, Orsinus says we certainly can through the endurance of a sufficient punishment not in ourselves but in Christ who has satisfied the law both by obedience and punishment Question 14 Can any mere creature pay for us Answer no In the first place, God will not punish another creature for the sin which man has committed. Furthermore, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. Then his exposition. A creature cannot do this for two reasons. First, God will not punish the sin which man has committed in any other creature. An infinite God has been disobeyed, so the punishment must be afflicted eternally. A finite creature can only offer finite obedience, and therefore can only be punished finitely. Therefore, the Redeemer must be infinite. This creature could not have renewed and sanctified our nature. Last question, number 15. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? One who is true and righteous man, it, and yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, one who is at the same time true God. We me read Ursinus' explanation. It's a short paragraph. Since then, we are not able of ourselves to make satisfaction to God for our sins, but must have some other satisfier or mediator in our place. We must ask further, what sort of deliverer must he be? To this we may reply, that he must of necessity be merely a creature or merely God or both. A mere creature, however, he cannot be. For the reasons already assigned, like we talked about. Merely God he couldn't be, because man and not God had sinned, and also because it behooved, it pleased the mediator to suffer and die for the sins of man. But God in himself can neither suffer nor die nor die. It follows, therefore, that such a mediator is required who is both man and God. The reasons for this will be assigned in the questions immediately following. So I hope you guys learn from question answers 12 through 15, our Sinus' explanation of these question answers, and are looking forward to the next few Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Days. We do our Catechism Thursdays. Again, please find us on Instagram download our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, rate our podcast, drop us a line, ask us if you have any questions. We're here for you. If you want to get plugged into reformed church and learn more of this stuff on your Sunday mornings and not just relying on this podcast, we would love to connect you, love to bring you to the reformed church. Get the gospel weekly, to think about it daily and to live it knowing that Christ has done what you needed to do all in himself. And all you need to do is trust in him. So we'll see you later. See you next Monday for a huge podcast. And I hope you guys tune in.